Hello, I'm Daniel Roth, co-founder of Heal Story. Welcome to the pilot season of the Heal Story podcast. We are so grateful that you've taken some of these precious minutes of your day to join us and begin this journey into ancestral healing. After you enjoy the episode, we invite you to become an official part of this new Heal Story community. Find us on patreon.com backslash Heal Story. Help us build a storytelling platform that honors all of our ancestors. Thanks so much again, and I really hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to Heal Story. Heal Story is a global community of storytellers remembering the profound and healing connection to their own lineage. In this episode of Heal Story, Henry Cross shares about the impacts of immigration and the confidence that one can find within their own lineage. We met with Henry in downtown New York City during the summertime. Henry's story carries us around the world from England to Nicaragua to Miami to New York City. Henry shares about being a child refugee of war, the experience of immigration to the United States, the unique identity of being from an ethnically mixed background, and the profound inspiration and confidence he found in his family's deep past. Thank you, Henry, and welcome to Heal Story. My name is Henry Cross, and I am from Nicaragua. I am lucky to know a whole lot about my name. I have, as a place of origin, it is the Cross family settled in the 1890s in San Juan del Sur, which is this beautiful small town, beach town in the Pacific in Nicaragua. And that is where the first Cross Nicaraguan ancestor settles, William George Cross. Previously to that, the Cross family has its origins in England, particularly dating back to 1767, is the earliest known records of the Cross family. I was born in Managua in 86, and within the first two years, my parents decided to leave the country. And that was very difficult for them to leave their livelihoods and and a family that had at least half of it had been in the country living a life for well over a hundred years. Around 1988, my parents decided to leave what that looked like was my mom and her two children take a plane to Guatemala City. And from Guatemala City, they take a bus to the Mexican border. And on that Mexican border, across on a raft. And up on buses to the United States border. So we could cross the Rio Grande River. And myself on the back of a man I still haven't met. I would like to meet this person. 
so we can ask for asylum because Nicaragua was undergoing the Contra War. So the revolution happens in 79. And then there is a Contra War between the Contras and the Sandinista government that doesn't end until 1990 when the new democratic coalition gets elected into office. But by that time, I was already in Miami Spring Floor. Then my childhood was about a lot of moving about families separating after a post-Civil War period, with people moving from Venezuela to Canada, from San Francisco to Miami, getting used to moving and living with different relatives about 10 to 12 places between six and 14 or probably 12 or something. We were waiting for our asylum process and then you wait for your legalization for a very long time and that process for us was 10 years i was told that i was going to go live in nicaragua i thought it was going to be a summer it's just turned out to be almost two years i think as a elementary school kid the only memory of life is in the united states my first memory is i'm in miami springs florida sneaking out of the apartment on a tricycle that's my first memory and then around third grade, I go to the back to where I was born, to the second poorest country in the hemisphere, to live with a grandmother who I just met then and an aunt who I just met then too. The shock for me was I go to live in this mountain four hours north of the capital, this mountain city called Matagalpa, four hours north of the capital. And when we're driving towards this city, I see kids my age covering up potholes with dirt or or earth, you know, and asking the truck guys, like, come on, I cover the hole, you know, like, throw a few cents. Whoa, I was like, he's my age. We're seeing the lady stealing the pineapple because that's the necessity of the moment. Then I've never played in the streets. You know, you're in the United States, you get used to the Power Rangers and the Winter Circle because I had good grades. <laughs> so then they're like, go play in the streets, soccer. And they still have the scar here. One of the kids tripped me because he used to call me gringo. Because, you know, I was starting to practice my Spanish more. And the kid, they had a thing that, you know, like, I was the gringo kid, because they didn't kind of take me in as Nicaraguan. When the war happened, 500,000 people left in a country of like 3 million at that time, bro. And that's like a massive exodus of the families. And I think it shows the resilience of stories and lineage and ancestry and culture and and also like being Latino. It's kind of second nature that in Latin America that you are a mix of everything. It's just what Latin America became after the Colombian era. You were mestizo, you were like a little bit of Spanish, indigenous, maybe a little mulatto. 
like the word is. I am a mestizo. Right? The the mezcla, the mix is is just kind of what it is. And I think what was interesting is how were these names passed down. I'm an immigrant in the United States, but my last name is Cross, and I'm a Latino kid. It took me a while to like to really understand like what's going on. Stability for me was non-existent. Then coming back from Nicaragua, it was then more moving. Moved like three or four times more. I lived with a half sister, her husband, and four kids in a one-bedroom apartment. The place was so small. We take turns sleeping under the dining room table. There was a lot of stress, a lot of trauma. I experienced a lot of depression growing up. And so when I learned who we really were, I think it was a sense of place, a sense of time, a sense of how I could use my time and energy based on like what I learned from my ancestors. Then my next phrase would always be, "It's got to get better than this." I was back in Miami for middle school into high school. I would just spend all my time in school. I'd wake up practically, just be in school till six p.m. And there was this kind of implicit rule with if I had good grades, I practically had license to live whatever life I wanted, and I did. I was I, I loved studying, and so I was in high school or late middle school. I was given a website that a relative Edgar Cross made for the entire Cross family. I was just very interested in this website, ehcross.com. When I discovered it, I was like, "Whoa! There's everybody's name like, all the way up to my dad." What I went to first was why is my last name Cross, right? Like, so that's when I discovered William. And there's a lot of pictures of William, of him in Nicaragua, the first family picture in the 1890s, him and when he's already in business, when he comes here to New York with Aurora. There is him in Portugal when he's in his 20s. So there's a lot of pictures of Grandpa William before he gets to Nicaragua, and then there's a lot of pictures of him in Nicaragua. So Anne Maria Russell and John Cross, and then they deliver William, and then William and Aurora deliver Edith, and then Edith and David deliver Arnoldo, and Arnoldo and my grandma deliver my dad, and my dad then delivers me. And it was William that in Nicaragua in the 1940s left a letter, a five-page letter to future generations. When I read that letter as a teenager, and I marveled. I remember reading it. I was so excited. Because, like, wow, here he is writing a letter. And his justification for writing letters is that he said, well, I didn't know much about my ancestors myself. 
we spoke about his time in England and playing soccer and boarding school and not liking Portugal and coming to New York. So it was funny to see this cross who came to Nicaragua talk about his life, especially when he done having achieved a lot in his life, family and, and business. The Victorian house in San Juan del Sur was built by him. It's now a hotel. So it's kind of interesting to visit San Juan del Sur this day and be like, wow, that's the house that a hundred years ago your ancestors built. It was in the telegraph business. And at that time, telegraph communications, they were putting down cables everywhere. And then he was assigned from Mexico to Central America. I think the head office was here in New York, so that's why he'd come here a few times. Off the coast of Portugal, the story goes that he survived an overnight shipwreck and saved an old man's life. It was interesting to know that we had such a family legacy. Incredible family lineage. William, my great-great-grandfather, if you look at the pictures of this elegant man, you're like, oh, it's like, look at him. Huge family, business, traveled all over, and this is the late 1800s, early 1900s, he even came to New York twice. And so I was like, we can figure this out. If that guy crossed the ocean and survived an overnight shipwreck of the coast of Portugal, so I think we we're, uh, we're born to last. <laughs> That's when, for me, these stories became sources of, of inspiration in my life. And my default immediately became, oh, we've done this. We've been really good at life. And that was really my attitude when I discovered these stories as a teenager. Is we've achieved a lot. We've been recognized a lot. We've been very lucky. And it kind of gave me an attitude that my life in the United States was going to be more than fine. As the phrase goes, it was a banking capital of nations and of ages. I could say, wow, I'm part of that. My first yoga class in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, I walk out, I go a block, and I literally look back, and I was like, what the hell was that? 
Three months later, I start practicing five days a week for two years, and I'm in therapy. There's this phrase in yoga that says the issues live in the tissues. And so that was my time around 22 to really just say, this is, you know, I want to talk about growing up. Kids like me could have benefited tremendously from some of these life skills and self-regulation and moments to breathe, move, and rest. Like Celia Cruz used to say, so people could forget about life for a while and just be happy, happy, happy. The natural thing for me was this experience made me feel a healthier, happier person. And I needed a lot more healthy and happiness growing up. And I said, I would like this practice to do for others what it did for me and give this a try. And what that was about was starting a yoga youth program as an extension of the yoga studio brands of my co-founders. And so we started as an after-school club in 2011 to eventually piloting yoga programs for 20,000 kids in Brooklyn. And that becomes out of that, the organization we have today, the Yoga Studio, between 2009 and 2011. And then my calling was the community programs and for the senior centers and for the schools. Because our mission was already about making wellness a right of life rather than a luxury, regardless of skill and income, I will tell schools, we wanted the program to reach every kid in the building at a cost-effective budget price point that was for kids that needed most and can access at least. Ten years later, that project is still here and is still alive. We moved it into dozens of public schools because I would tell principals, you know, I was there too before everything else. I was this kid. And I think... When I saw the opportunity for the yoga business, my reference point was William, was William George Cross. Because I was like, well, he was that business archetype. He was a family archetype of success. Very few families in Nicaragua have a family picture of 1893. You had to have some status or ability or class or wealth or whatever. And eventually he had it all. I looked at his stories. This is wild. This is an Oxford-born man that went through boarding school, lived in Portugal, Mexico, New York City, Nicaragua, two wives, many children, like successful career, then into a business career. And he's the reason why I have this last name. This year, one of my rituals, one of my ceremonies thanking family lineages and ancestry is there is this very well-known song in Spanish called Amor Eterno. Amor Eterno 
For me, that is the song I'm singing to my great grandmother on my mom's side, and that is the song that I think of when I when I look at Aurora's picture. It's a tribute going back to the poetic phrase, "Thank you for being there long before I was born." Waiting. The last Facebook message of my father was, "He's wishing me success." In Spanish, is "exitos," which is a very like. Aggrandizing, like it's un éxito. It's like a, it's like a big deal. You know, it's like a big success, which is different from mine, which is un logro. It's, it's, I'm more interested in achievement than success, personally. So I think of, I would sing to them every day, amor eterno. I would sing to Anne, who is the first picture of a of a woman ancestor that I have. That's a eighteen hundreds. That must be like eighteen twenty, eighteen no more than eighteen fifty picture of, of a female ancestor, and that's Anne Russell. For me, it's about sharing these kinds of deeper dives that I've done with the younger crosses. So, you know, look, this is part of the long, long, long story that. We now know. That's my work right now. I feel, particularly with my nephews. You gotta marvel at the way that DNA works, right? This little thing, I mean, kind of moves through time. It's captured by us as vessels that keeps moving on from one generation to another. And like I referenced that piece of lyric again of prose you know they were there waiting long before we were born we found out this year or last year there was a daughter that nobody knew she didn't tell anybody that there was a daughter and telling her like hey look this is part of the, the DNA of this family Yes, it's been a difficult adjustment going from a war country to immigration in the United States to, but I tell them we're still like tremendously lucky compared to the fifty thousand that died in the country. You know, I think what happens. Is there is a lot of just family family stories there of of healing and pain that that is still unresolved, and I think what I see my role growing into it is particularly that, which is what is the role of studying our lineage and ancestry in a way that gives another version of the possible with the value that this can have to other members of the family. This is transformative inner work to to be 
in a place of remembrance and discovery because to have a relationship, literally a, a flesh and bone relationship, right, to these stories is not only part of the unfinished work that we are now here to do, but it could be sources of our greatest inspirations. We all have that, that immediate relative, but then what happens when like now you have writings, letters, pictures of generations long, long, long time ago. For future generations, I hope that the crosses and the Lopez and the Vegas that come after my life, that they also become as inspired by these stories. I think what's next is within our own groups of friends and family, to just say what story in your lineage or ancestry or family tree or, or bloodlines, what story has mattered or inspired you? Or how have they been sources of, of hope and healing? The thing is encouraging those types of conversations. Thank you for listening to today's episode. We hope this story has helped you reflect on the potential for healing within your own lineage. If you have a story you would like to share on the Heal Story podcast, visit us at www.healstory.com. This is our pilot season of Heal Story, and we need your support to keep growing this storytelling platform. At patreon.com backslash heal story, you can learn about all the special perks of becoming a subscriber. From the private discussion groups to early access to new episodes, powerful interviews with thought leaders in the ancestral healing world, and much more. Join this movement and let's make all of our ancestors proud. Thank you and take care. <laughs>